Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Last time we were here, if you remember, I showed a clip of a uh, preacher and he took off his coat. And I really never tied it together. He took off his coat and he was waving it, if you remember, and people were being knocked over. Do you remember how many people were here last time? Just to give me an idea. Okay, so the message uh, that we got into last time, that particular thing that that pastor was doing was... uh, Known is, is known as being slain in the spirit. However, nowhere in the Old or New Testament do you see that. The only time you see anybody slain in the spirit is when we were in the beginning of chapter 5 is when Ananias and Sapphira were slain in the spirit, but they were dead. It killed them. And one of the things we're going to look at tonight is, matter of fact, I... I put a um, notice when I was driving home about that, that that was not a good thing that that particular pastor was doing. And then I got some comments that some people said, well, I know somebody who went to one of his uh, rallies and was saved. And that's a very interesting statement. But remember, people are saved because of the grace of God, not because of any preacher. It's up to God to do that work. And how God chooses to do it is not based on the person that's bringing forth the word or should be bringing forth the word and doing biblical things. It's up to God and his grace and his mercy. So God is not limited by a man or a woman or a coat being waved or just a all the different personalities and how God works through people. Tonight's message is called This Life, This Life. So what I want to do is just pick up on a few of the verses that we finished with last time because there's a couple things that I would like to bring out. So we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 5, verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. In Acts 4, verses 29 to 30, it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And Peter said this, and it's very important to remember this as we go through the Bible, that here is one instance of a man, Peter, chosen by the Lord, and he's telling you right here that healing is done in the name of Jesus, and in those verses 29 and 30, by stretching out your hand, where Jesus is stretching out his hand, giving that person the ability to say, stand up in the name of Jesus and walk. It's not the instrument that's causing a miracle to take place, It's the miracle-working God, through his grace and mercy, touching that person who's speaking to someone, 
when there's a healing. In verse 13, yet none of the rest dare join them, but the people esteem them highly. And we talked about this last time. Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead. Remember, they were, hold, they were trying to hold back a portion of the land that they sold. They were being deceptive. And remember, this was the beginning of the church. It was the beginning of the church age. So God was doing a lot of signs and wonders. And there was now an infiltration into the church. It was something coming from the outside in to try to cause damage within the body of Christ. And God showed the severity of that, how serious he takes that. And we also talked about last time, thank God he still doesn't do that. We might, there, this might be an empty church. Because we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We all sometimes act the hypocrite, don't we? But God is there to forgive us. So there's a group of people that don't want to get too close, but they respect the apostles. They see what they're doing. They're seeing a move of God, but they're not getting in there. And I call those guys and girls the delookers, the rubbernecks. You know, they were watching, but they weren't getting too close. Then in verse 14, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And then we were talking about how, well, true believers act on the prompting of God's Holy Spirit. They hear the voice of God calling them. And like the scripture says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So there are true believers, the ones who are called and the ones who are chosen. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, it says, And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant, By means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. The old covenant, the law, no one could measure up. The law just showed us that we were sinners. But thank God for the new covenant, the shed blood of Jesus Christ that washes away everything that we can't keep in the law. And Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, told his followers, wait, I'm going to send you a comforter, a helper, who will be with you. And he sent his Holy Spirit. And this is the time that we're looking at. This is right after Pentecost. All these things that are happening in the first few chapters of Acts. And notice how that verse 15 finishes. That those who are called may receive the promise of the um, eternal inheritance. You and I have an eternal inheritance. And I want to just keep every once in a while throwing in the title of tonight is this life. And I think you're going to see something a little bit change as we get a little further in the study. Jude chapter one, verse one says, Jude was a bond servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James to those who are called sanctified by God, the father and preserved in Jesus Christ. That applies to you and to me. We should never take that for granted. You are called. You are set apart to God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. That is why you have a hunger for his word. That's why you talk to him. That's why you come to church to hear God's word broken down. That's why you go to uh, home groups or women's or the men's studies. 
You try to get to know each other. Brothers and sisters that you're going to be spending eternity with. That is a wild thing. That people that we know here on this earth, we're going to see them for eternity. That's amazing. Matthew, uh, or last time I was talking about how in the church, Ananias and Sapphira were trying to bring the world into the church. And they were stopped dead in their tracks. Literally dead in their tracks. But that hasn't changed. The world, the flesh, and the devil still tries to infiltrate the church. Don't they? They still try to come in to corrupt the church. And remember how Jesus talked about the tares and the wheat growing at the same time. And not really able to tell as they're growing... What is the real weed and which is the tear? The tear is the bad stuff. But the tear represents a person coming in with an agenda. One who really doesn't love the Lord. He's just there to cause division. But Jesus said, well, let, it, let them both grow. And at the end, there'll be a separation. So we always have to be aware of tears within the body of Christ. Now, you and I, hopefully, daily are crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires. You know, we want more of Christ and less of ourselves. Amen? We want him to reign more and us to be less. And then finally, before we dive in tonight, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You have to have spiritual discernment and you can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. And those who have been born again, you have the mind of Christ. You're able to spiritually discern those things. That for other people, it's very confusing. But a person might come to church, could be here right now, could be watching on TV and say, well, what did he mean by that? That question, just that question, is God's hand on him leading him to the cross, right? Because they have an interest. They never heard this before and they want to know more. And you're put in their path to educate them. As an older believer of Jesus Christ, to help them understand the things of God. In verse 15 of Acts chapter 5, <clears throat> it says, So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least a shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. I, and we looked at this a little bit last time. I want to spend a few more minutes on it tonight. Just turn back to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. And I'm going to read Acts 3, 12 to 16. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power... Or godliness, 
we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are all witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. There's no doubt where Peter is given his or pointing his finger. It's all about Jesus. He's doing the work. It's not Peter, John, or any of the apostles. It's all Jesus Christ. And Peter gives him the glory as we should all when things of God take place. Verse 16, back in Acts chapter 5. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. Now, two things I want to point out here. Back in 15, it says that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. It doesn't say that when the shadow fell on them, they were healed. But some people read that into this text. It doesn't say that. And then in verse 16, it says, A multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people, and there's no mentioning of Peter and his shadow. But one of the things that, well, there's superstitions today also, but back in here, people thought that if there was any connection with shadows or any kind of miracles, that if they were close or they could be covered by the shadow, they too might be healed. So there was superstition meeting with the works of God. There comes a point in every person's life that they put their faith in Jesus Christ or reject him, right? There comes a point where every man and woman, teenager, anybody accountable, puts their faith in Jesus or rejects him. God releases that faith and the person believes. It's a work of God just opening up the eyes of that person. There is a point of contact when one believes. The Bible says you can look out at his creation and know that he exists, right? For some, somebody might hear a song and just give their life to Christ. Might be a kind word that you give somebody. Who knows how God is going to use anything? You can't put him in a box. And here we see some things that even people thought that even if the shadow of Peter passing because he was a believer in Jesus Christ, that Jesus would heal them. But I was thinking of the centurion. Remember, and uh, he confronted Jesus and just asked that if he would come or if he would heal his son. And Jesus says, oh, I'll, I'll heal, I'll go and heal him. And he goes, you know, I'm a man of great authority, this, the soldier said. And I tell my soldiers to do this, and they do that. If you only speak the word, my son will be healed. And Jesus says, what great faith. What great faith.
So remember that individual faith of a person. Even if they're in a place where the person up behind the pulpit is a con man. There's a faith that goes beyond the natural. Because God looks at the individual heart of every person that looks to him. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a tremendous thing. Jesus healed people who touched his clothing. Talks about that in Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew 14, talks about, um, it also talks about in Acts 19, Paul's handkerchiefs or aprons. And we'll look at that when we get there. But it's the same thing. It's a point of release of a person's faith. There was nothing special about that handkerchief or the, or the gown. Remember the woman with the blood issue? She just touched Jesus. God will reach us where we are to save us. He stoops down even in our primitive superstitions. He's been doing that throughout history. His mercy overlooks our foolishness to meet our need. And that's our God. He's a loving, merciful God. Isn't it cool how fast the word traveled even without technology? No cell phones, no internet, no computers. Yet people were hearing and people were coming from the outskirts of Jerusalem to Jerusalem because they heard that things were happening. And remember, it's within uh, 50, maybe it's uh, 50, 51 days since uh, Jesus had been crucified, ascended into heaven. It's just been a few months. It hasn't been long. So people knew this was all connected. Wasn't separated issues. These guys had followed Jesus. And we saw in Acts, they knew even the priest, the chief priest, they knew these guys had been with Jesus. They knew him because they were the same guys that tried Jesus and put him on the cross. There was a tremendous move of God. It wasn't Peter's shadow that was responsible for the healing. It was the hand of Jesus and their faith in him as God. Isn't it always a joy for you and me, and we can almost relate to the people back then, to be in the midst of anyone where Jesus is working in them, right? There's something different there. It's neat being around that person or those people who have the Holy Spirit in them. It goes beyond the natural. But, but, with a capital B, we must be careful that their faith is in Jesus. And you must be careful that your faith is in Jesus and not the person that Jesus is using. Amen? That's important. That can, and that doesn't always happen. A lot of times, the preacher is the one who's idolized. And instead, it's Jesus working through that man of God or that woman of God. Acts three sixteen, I just want to emphasize this some more. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him and has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And again, Jesus is getting all the credit. In uh, chapter 9 of Mark, it talks about, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
How about those who don't know Jesus yet? Our prayer right now is those who have unbelief, help them believe. Take the scales off their eyes and, and just bring them into the family of God. Acts 5, 17. <clears throat> then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. How awesome was that, is that? Or was that? Here, the enemies of God are angry. They're um, annoyed. They just went through this kind of stuff a couple months earlier with Jesus Christ. And now they're annoyed at his followers. They thought it was going to end when Jesus was crucified. It was only the beginning. It was only the beginning of the troubles for the enemies of God. That conflict, that annoyance, that anger. Sometimes for you and me, at the darkest times, during the most desperate moments that we're going through... God frees us from our prisons to do his work. Have you ever been in that situation? Where you felt you were in the darkest, coldest place and God did a miracle? Something happened, he used you, he brought you out of that situation? Or maybe he kept you in that situation, but still the hand of God moved through you to touch somebody else's life as a result of where you were. When God wants his will to be accomplished through you, nothing or no one can imprison you. You are free regardless of circumstances. How many stories have we heard throughout our lifetime of people in prison, whether it's a POW camp or in prison today that are born-again believers and they have a prison ministry and the way God is using them in their ministry? were POWs who came to know the Lord through a fellow POW. And that's only the ones who escaped or were freed. What about the ones who died in prison, believers in Christ as a result of that believer in prison? We see Paul's, most of his epistles, right? Most of his letters were written in prison. Any impact? says, yeah, almost all the Roman soldiers became believers because they were chained to them. Paul had a captive audience. The soldiers didn't have a captive audience, yet they were watching Paul in prison with chains. They were his prisoners. And remember what I said, this life, we're going to look at that pretty soon. You might say, wow, what a tough life for Paul. Yeah, it would be. But he wasn't in this life. He was in this life. But I'll get to that in a second. God will even use angels to put you where he wants you to be. Guys in prison didn't know that angels were going to free him. 
They didn't know what was going to happen. They were trusting the Lord, but they didn't know the outcome till they were free. So a question tonight. What is imprisoning you to keep you from doing God's will and his work? What is God showing you right now that you might be a prisoner of, that he wants to free you from so you can work for him? Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it pride? Is it lust? Is it other sin? Is it a lack of faith? Is it disobedience? What is it that's keeping you shackled? It's one of the songs. He set us free from our chains. If you're chained up tonight and you're a believer in Jesus, you need to just shake those chains off. They're going to fall right off. But you have to want to do it. It's a matter of your will. It's a matter of your will. In John, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 9, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that? If you do, what is keeping you from just confessing any sins that are shackling you tonight? And if you're someone here who doesn't know Jesus, that hasn't asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you can do that right where you're sitting right now. Lord, just forgive me my sins. Just set me free. I want to be your child. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. In Romans ten seventeen, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Why is it important to read God's word? Why is it important to come together to hear God's word preached and talked? Why is it important to have Bible studies, home or individual? Because it says right here, faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. You have the solution for a lack of faith right there. Read, hear God's word. It's going to build your faith. We all here in the United States have creature comforts, don't we? Things that we just chill out doing, we just enjoy it. But maybe our prayer should be, Lord, thank you for all those creature comforts. But Lord, I want this song to be reigning in my heart. All to Jesus I surrender. Use everything in my life, Lord, to bring glory to your name. Now we talked about this life. There's this life that you and I have. But then there's also this life that Jesus gives us. One is a small T. Just our, everybody's life in the world is living right now. They're in their life. But then there's the life that Jesus Christ supernaturally gives us. In 1 John 2.25, it says, And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. 1 John 5.11, And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. 2 Timothy 2.4, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlists him as a soldier. 
1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. And last one, Mark 8, 36. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world in this life and loses his soul in the next life? Ouch. Acts 5, 21. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. When did they do that? When did 21 happen? When they were in prison and transported out of prison. And what did they do? They listened to God's word and they went to the temple as soon as it opened. And they taught God's word. They taught about this life. Capital T. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Verse 22, But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Must have been frustrating, huh? That happened at the tomb also. Nobody home. Verse 24. Now, when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. And I believe that is God's grace. He wants those people in opposition to him to wonder what's the outcome? Of these events that I'm experiencing. Because God doesn't want anybody to perish. And remember back in Acts. A lot of people came to faith. A lot of the skeptics. A lot of the priests. Came to faith in Jesus. As a result of everything that was happening. That's awesome. Verse 25. So no. So one came and told him saying. Look the men whom you put in prison. Are hiding up in the hills. Doesn't say that, does it? No. They're standing in the temple and teaching the people. What an annoyance. And that must have just fueled their anger even more. Not only are they not in prison, but they're doing the very thing we told them not to do. In Jeremiah 20, verse 9, it says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. And in Acts 4.20, we saw when we were in there, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They had to get it out. Nothing could hold it in. They needed to tell others about this resurrection life of Christ that was available to anyone who believed. They did not have to hold on to this life when there was this life. But people that we know, right, are still in this life. 
and we pray for them and maybe have opportunities to talk to them so that they will be part of this life, the life that only Jesus can give. In Romans 1, 16, as we think of these guys going to the temple early in the morning after they had been in prison, really not wondering what was going to happen to them, but they didn't care because they weren't of this life anymore. The same guys that were hiding out, remember when Jesus was arrested? Now they're bold, they're out there. And they prayed for that boldness and God gave it to them. You and I can pray for that same boldness and he'll give it to us. Because that's his will. For that boldness to proclaim about his life and his death. In Romans 1.16 it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And then in Revelation 12.11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Didn't bother them anymore. That's how strong their faith had become. Because they immersed themselves in the life of Christ. They hung on to his words. Because they knew that this life had no comparison to this life. Verse 26 of Acts 5. Verse 26. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Everybody remember, this was the same council that tried Jesus. The same people that were saying, crucify him, crucify him. And when Pilate had the exchange, they said, let his blood be on us and on our children. And then, as hypocrites do, as deceivers do, they said, these people... Because of your doctrine, you intend to bring this man's blood on us. They didn't realize how close they were to salvation. That Jesus, we need your blood to wash away our sins. We need your blood to cover us. Verse 29, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Boy, isn't there, it's all right there in, in those verses. The events that happened in the last four chapters are being reiterated here. The pouring out of God's Holy Spirit. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved but the name of Jesus. 
teaching and proclaiming repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus. These leaders needed the same forgiveness that everybody else needs. And here was, they were being confronted with this. And we also have right here in those verses 29 to 32, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right there, the Trinity again. Doesn't say, okay, here's the Trinity, but there it is in those three verses. God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Acts, back to Acts 5.33, when they heard this, they were furious, and they plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thetis rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For this, if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And just briefly, he was saying some truth, but there's also cults and religions that have been around for hundreds of years That God's not in. And you have to remember too. This man at this time. Wasn't regenerated. He wasn't born again. But he was a peacemaker. He was trying to say you know. Let these guys go. If it's not of God. Nothing's going to happen. Verse 40. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles. And beaten them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And you can see right there in 42, they still went to church, but they also had home Bible studies. They were doing God's Work wherever they could. As we close, think of some of these things now. Satan will always keep putting up roadblocks to keep you and me from traveling with Jesus. He did that in the apostles' life. In the previous chapter, they locked up Peter and John, thinking that was going to be a deterrent. Now they locked up all the apostles, thinking that was going to work. He will, the enemy will try to discourage you from talking or teaching about Jesus. Still to this day, his MO is the same. There are enemies of Jesus. They can be religious, military, political. They use threats and other forms of intimidation. They'll arrest you. They'll use violence. They'll use imprisonment. They'll even kill you. Look what they did to our Lord and Savior. They crucified him. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. As we see with the apostles, nothing stopped them. People say, well, they were martyred. That stopped them. No. Their death spoke even more volumes. Because we're still talking about that today and using them as examples of courage. Of being filled with the spirit. Of mere men and women who were afraid and hid out during the trial of Jesus to those who were bold and went to their death. Something happened because they were no longer concerned with this life. But they were concerned with the life that only Jesus Christ can give you through the regeneration and new birth. Do you and I love Jesus more than our own lives? The life we're talking about is eternal. The present bodily life is temporary. Are you willing to change your heart and grasp lightly on to the things of this world that you hold dear to? Just a little lighten your grip and hold tightly your interest and your relationship and your love in Jesus? Do you want that temporary life or do you want the life that only Jesus Christ? Can give you. Go to the cross, follow him, and he will give you this life. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.